0: My subject this morning is dying for change. Everything is in the process of changing. And at times it's kind of frightening. Those who are a little bit older like I am, we look back and we say that, nah, today is really a mess. But every generation has thought that. And um Conservative churches, they're struggling with members who believe the doctrinal creed that they have. and But now they're holding a little bit more liberal views on divorce and remarriage. Some have changed their position on the lifestyle of homosexuals. And then some have changed a little bit on abortion. And so we're in the middle of a lot of changes There's changes on people relating to drugs and and sexual immorality and stuff like that. It's interesting that people who are different will change the church. And people who are the same, they will try to keep the church from changing. And so there's a risk on both sides. Pain is one of the universal effects of change, some of you know a little bit about that pain, and uh, it could be because things have changed already, and uh, maybe you've gone through some theological changes in your belief. I know the pain that I went through when I was a pastor, and I had to be honest, and uh, I was doing a lot of studying at, at that time, and. And my theology began to change. And when I told the church, it hurt. It hurt. There was pain. But I'm reminded of the story of a physician who was the only surgeon available to operate on his son who was very ill. And he explained to his son, he says, I may hurt you, but he said, I would never harm you. And that's a little bit about what change does. It hurts, but it never really harms us. The key key to change is to understand how how it inflicts hurt without pain or without harm, I should say. When Christians wake up one day and realizing that they can't control their lives the way that they thought that they could, by simply reading the Bible, having quiet time, going to church and everything, and yet their lives are really not changing. And they become concerned about that. And they feel stuck with unresolved issues, symptoms they're trying to fix, and they just can't seem to do it. They want to do it. They want to get fixed. But it's only when people are discontented with the way things are that they're even open to change. More changes is coming our way. In a couple of weeks, we will be letting everyone in our community know who we are, where we are, and what we believe. And so change is going to come. And we need your help. I realize that everything is not perfect and that we are small in number, but I also realize that we serve a mighty God, and we need to be praying for the people out here in our community to come to the realization that they can't control their life and that life is not working, and when they get that postcard when they turn on their TV and maybe come across a religious station, or when they read a magazine or when they look at the newspaper, maybe, just maybe, they might think that they need a change. And maybe God would make a difference in their life. Some of you have heard the grace message for some time now. Larry preached it, and I just followed through with it. You have experienced some freedom, but only in some areas of your life. You see, there's still some issues that we all face. That is, what we do about our past. What what do we do about some of the anger that we still have? And some of the bitterness that's lying deep down and occasionally it surfaces. And so I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what we can do about that. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10, sounds, this is Paul, he's, he's writing to the Corinthians, he says, but one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Now, that sounds like a lot of double talk to me when you first read that. The next verse, in verse 11, it says, so that no advantage would be taken us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So what in the world is Paul talking about? He's saying the reason for forgiveness is to keep From being outsmarted, being taken advantage of, being outwitted by Satan, or getting the upper hand over us. And so he's saying that what we ought to do is go through forgiveness. Um, I don't know how many of us have actually done that, have actually gone through that. And maybe we're thinking right now, well... I, I don't really suffer from a lot of past, but I want you to notice what Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put, put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. So we are to forgive as we have been forgiven. So Paul is saying, you need to stop being angry. You need to get rid of all this bitterness that you may have. You need to get rid of this holding grudges that oftentimes, especially in churches, do we find that. And no more bitter resentments forgive one another how like God has forgiven you in Christ and then in Luke 6 36 the Bible says this be merciful just as your father is merciful forgiveness is not necessarily forgetting we want it that way we wish it that way But sometimes it's not. And those of us who have tried often find we have a very difficult time doing it. But then somebody says, well, doesn't Hebrews 10, doesn't Hebrews 10 says that God, he he not only forgives us, but he forgets, he forgets. Yes, and the Bible does say that. And what does that mean? I mean, some people say, can God really forget? I mean, he's God. So what does that really mean? Well, the bottom line is that God will never use your past against you. Never, ever. Forgiveness is choice. Forgetting may be the result of forgiveness, but it is never the means of forgiveness. Because here lies a problem. Whenever we bring up the past, we are saying to that individual, I really haven't forgiven you. And don't be fooled. You can't bring up the past against someone and simply say, but I have forgiven you. It doesn't work that way. Paul says that if that is your philosophy in life, if that's the way you handle life, You are not only going to be disappointed, but Satan is going to get the upper hand. Satan, he'll outsmart you, and he'll take advantage of you. He'll put you in bondage. So, are you ready for the truth? Forgiveness is difficult. That is the truth. It is. Why? Because we want revenge for what we suffered. Over the years I have counseled with hundreds and hundreds of people, married quite a few, married some right here. And when I when I went through marriage counseling, the hardest thing that uh, that marriage problems come from is that idea of forgiving, but not. Forgetting. Invariably, when somebody brings up the problem, like if there's a couple, I would ask them, what do you think the situation is? And then they would express themselves, whether it be the wife or the husband. No sooner did that individual, either the wife or the husband, finished, and the other one would respond, yeah, but you remember when you did this? Remember? that tells me that that individual has really not dealt with forgiveness. Oh yes, it's easy for us when we do something wrong and we say, would you forgive me? Yes, yes, yes. That's what we do. And then we kiss and make up. But you haven't dealt with the issue. You really haven't dealt with the problem. And this is what Paul is trying to convince us of is to deal with the problem. Well, how do we deal with the problem? I mean, do we really want revenge on people? I remember years ago out west, I was visiting with a, a, a preacher and he, was, he, he wanted to debate with me and, and talk to me about hell. And so I said, sure, let's do it. And so he was talking about eternal punishment, that people are going to burn through billions and billions of years and i said where do you find that in the bible and he said to me he pointed it out in in the gospel about everlasting fire and i said yes i believe in everlasting fire and i said do you have any loved one that is not a born-again christian he says yes i have a brother and I said, and, and how do you feel about that? He says, well, he deserves every bit of it if he won't turn to the Lord. I said, really? You really feel that way? You don't, you, you don't give any uh, credit to him? Maybe he's a little confused right now. Maybe he's a little mixed up. He was brought up like you. Maybe he's going through something that you don't know of. There seems to be something within us that we demand justice. And I have lived by that code. I have taught my boys, you do the crime, you do the time. Um, And that's the way I've lived out my life. So when I did something wrong and something happened to me, I never blamed anybody. It was my problem. I did the time. But it seems like there's something within us that we want justice. If something does if somebody wrongs us, we want them to suffer for it. So, in Romans 2, excuse me, Romans 12:19, it says, "Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine." I will repay, says the Lord. Sometimes we like to say, yes, Lord, but I know the vengeance is yours, but this person really hurt me. Really hurt me. Listen, we don't forgive someone of his or her mistakes. No, we, we, we don't do it for that, for their sake. We do it so that we can live in freedom it's something it's a relationship that we have with god it's not about that other person who offended us it's who we are it's about our relationship with god you have a new nature the bible says that it is a forgiving nature it is your nature to forgive if you don't forgive you're going against your nature you need to forgive isn't an issue between you and the offender. It's between you and God. Forgiveness is costly. Why? Because when you forgive, you are agreeing to live with the consequences of that person's sin. You pay the price of the evil you forgive. How? Well, because you will with the consequences of the sin, you forgive whether you want to or not. You pay the price. And here's the choice, whether you want to live in the bitterness of unforgiveness or the freedom of forgiveness. I want you to see this morning that no one really forgives without bearing the consequences of, of the other person's sin. In 2 Corinthians 5:21 the Bible says, "He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him." Well, what does this mean? It cannot mean that God made the sinless one a sinner can cannot mean that. However, it does mean that God the Father sent Christ into this world of sinners to closely identify with them. It does mean that God permitted the world of sinners to treat Christ as a sinner. It does mean that Christ agreed to pay the price of the consequences of the sins of the world, the Bible says. And you've heard me say over and over and over. When Christ went to the cross and died for the sins of the world, the sin issue is over. It is over. Now remember, when you agree to forgive someone, you are agreeing to live with the consequences of that person's sin. How? What are you agreeing to? You're agreeing that you would never bring that up again. Even though you're tempted, even though you want to, even though you're upset, true forgiveness keeps you from bringing that up to them in the future. That's true forgiveness. Now, don't say, Lord, please help me to forgive. Because you're asking him to do something he's already done. He recreated you as a forgiving person. You are a forgiving person. And don't say, Lord, I want to forgive. Listen, as a child of God, it is your responsibility to forgive because what comes through your head is be merciful even as your Father is merciful towards you. Don't say... I'll forgive you when I feel like forgiving you. Feelings take time. Don't let Satan get the upper hand. And that's why Paul says you do it now. Do not, what does he say in Ephesians? Do not let the sun be angry and do and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. So when you don't forgive, you're giving the devil an opportunity. How does that work? How does that happen? He holds you in bondage. You know, right now, there's all sorts of things that go through our mind. I'm not the only one that has sat in church and had bad thoughts go through my mind. It's the power of sin, as Paul describes it. And so when we don't forgive... That power of sin goes to work. And you get angry all over again. You get upset all over again. You feel that it's not fair. That's why it is, when you forgive, you're living with the consequences of that. God wanted us to experience that because his death on the cross is costly. And we, when we forgive, it's costly as well. God wants you to deal with your anger and your bitterness and your, through forgiveness. Here's what happens when you forgive. Satan loses his power. He cannot outsmart you. He cannot take advantage of you. you he cannot. You, do not, or you are not giving him the upper hand. You are dealing with the issue. Now you're free to go on. And you soon live in an atmosphere of freedom. Now, how do, you, how do you start all this? I can only tell you how I did it. Years ago, I decided that I wanted to kind of clear, clean up my past. And I prayed, and I earnestly prayed. I said, Lord... if if you would just really help me clean up that past, would you bring to my mind, just bring to my mind the things that I should deal with so that I could have this total freedom, that I could live in freedom? Whether it's my childhood, whether it's my parents, whether it's my family, whatever it is, I said, I'm willing to do it. So I took two weeks and... I prayed during those two weeks, and I, and I made a list of everybody that God brought to my mind that hurt me. And I made that list, and then I wrote down how it made me feel when they did that. And after I did that, I had the hardest time forgiving myself. I wrote down all the things that I did, and I had a very difficult time with that. A lot of tears, a lot of agony and all sorts of things. And after I did that, I had several sheets of paper with everything I wrote down. And then I went to the fireplace and I lit it on fire. And there's something about that that released me. I don't know what it is. I cannot explain it. It's just that when I lit that on fire, I had a point of reference. And when, when the devil would tempt me to put thoughts in my head about my anger or my bitterness towards somebody, that, that would come up. And I, I would simply say, I dealt with that. March 3rd, I dealt with that. It was all over. Years ago, it's all over. And I started doing that with other things as well. When, when I first began to really study about being dead to sin, And I I did exactly the same thing. When I would give give a thought or I would watch TV and I would turn on something that is a little risque or the language was bad, I would say to myself, I'm dead to that and turn the channel. I'm dead to that and turn it. And when those thoughts came into mind, I would say, I'm dead to that, that's not me. That's not me. It's the power of sin, but it's not me. And that's what I love so much about Romans 7, when Paul, when he simply said, I don't understand myself, I, can under- I, I understood what he said, because I don't understand myself as well. I don't understand myself, I don't know what's going on in my head, the things that I know I shouldn't do, I do, he goes he goes back and forth with this, and then he says that my victory is in Jesus Christ. And that's the way it is with us. So I want to encourage you if you haven't done it already to deal with it. Ask God to reveal to you what you need to forgive and who you need to forgive. And then clear up the past. Write it down. Define your hurt or your pain that you went through and then let it light, light it on fire. I don't want you to start a forest fire but just let it go. So And don't rationalize. That's what most people do, I found out. They rationalize or they explain the offender's behavior. And we don't do that. We don't do that at all. Forgiveness is costly. But you are a forgiving person. So take care of it. God wants you to settle it because God wants you to be free. And that's what we're all here for, to find freedom in Christ so we can live the life that he desires to live through us. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we serve a God who not only loves us, not only cares for us, but has our best interest at all times, and we're thankful for that. I pray that you'll bless us now as we go into the communion service. I thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to take the bread and take the wine. Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. But I'm so thankful that we have this reminder today, this morning. Bless us now as we partake, for we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.